Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Real easy to find. Um, just go to the very first book of the Bible. Once you get past the table of contents and all that stuff, it's going to be right there, Genesis. And we're going to go to chapter 25. And we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. But how many think it's good to read scripture in church? Like two of you. All right. We're going to read, we're going to read some scripture today in church. And uh, we're going to read chapters, some of chapter 25, most of chapter 27. And we're going to talk about uh, this woman named Rebecca in the Bible. Rebecca. And what we're going to discover together through uh, today's message is we're going to discover the power of trusting in God and what happens when we don't. All right. As we look at Rebecca. Now, Rebecca, uh, this this girl had it going on. All right. Like she was like the full package. Okay. Now I'm just going off what the Bible says. All right. Uh, the Bible uh, like makes it sound like she was drop dead gorgeous. She was kind. She was caring. She was loving. I mean, she was, she was compassionate, uh, but she had a strong will. I know some of you think I just described pastor Katie. Come on somebody. All right. But uh, this woman, man, according to the Bible, she had it going on. Like she was the full package, had great faith, great energy. Um, matter of fact, uh, the, the Bible in Genesis 26, she, you know, describes that she is so gorgeous that her husband, when he comes into a foreign land, that he actually lies and says it's his sister uh, because he's afraid that the people there would kill him and take his wife because she's so beautiful. Come on, how many of you husbands have that problem with your wife? Come on, I better see every hand go up if you are married right now, all right? Um, and so like, this is Bible, man. Like she was so beautiful that, that, she like, that her husband literally had to lie and say, no, no, that's my sister. And come to they came to find out that it really was his wife because he couldn't keep his hands off her, the Bible says. Uh, true. Um, the, the king looks out and says, whoa, what's going on out there? And so uh, she was beautiful. She's gorgeous. Um, her name means captivating. Okay, Rebecca means captivating or a knotted cord. Yeah, I think the first one sounds a little better, right? Like you're captivating, but a knotted cord, what's that all about? Specifically, her name, knotted cord, it's talking about the rope that is tied around an animal's neck. Okay, and so some, some scholars and theologians try to draw some parallels between her beauty and that, that whatever man she had, come on, they were wrapped. All right, are you with me? And so captivating, uh, she is the wife of Isaac, Isaac being the son of Abraham. Okay, and so Isaac, the promised son, and uh, she gets to marry Isaac. And actually in Genesis 24, uh, a, lot of, a lot of scholars believe that it's probably one of the most romantic chapters of the Bible, Genesis 24, because it shows this whole thing between Rebecca and her soon-to-be husband, Isaac. And so there's this romantic chapter that plays out. They end up getting married, and uh, then she becomes the mother of two sons that we know of, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Now, it's important to, to hear that part because that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at Rebecca as a mom and what she did as a mom with Jacob and Esau. Jacob would later go on to become Israel, uh, and he would then have 12 sons. That's the 12 tribes of Israel, and thus the nation of Israel. So Rebecca is Israel's mom, but right now it reads as, as Jacob. So let's, let's read Genesis 25. Genesis 25, and uh, we're going to read some here, and then we're going to go down to 2027. 20, Genesis chapter 25, we'll start in verse 19. 
Okay, and it's going to talk about the, the birth of her two sons, Jacob and Esau. And in Genesis 25, verse 19, it reads there, uh, these are the family records of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took his wife, Rebekah. Now, I just want to pause right there because some of you out there uh, in your late 20s or maybe even your 30s are like, am I ever going to get married? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, all right? I can't promise who you are, uh, but this ought to give you hope today, all right? Isaac was 40 years old when he got married, so come on. If you're like 29, you're like, is it ever gonna happen? You've got 11 more years before you can start complaining. Come on, somebody, okay? So he's 40 years old and, and uh, took his wife, Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Pad Aram, uh, and sister of Laban, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebecca, because she was childless. Okay, at this point now, they've been married for about 20 years, okay, without children. And he, he wants children. He knows his wife wants children. So the Bible says that he goes to the Lord. The Lord heard his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. But the children inside her struggled with each other. And she said, so now some of you think you have it bad when your kids are out in the world and they're fighting with one another. Could you imagine that battle going on inside your stomach, right? They're literally wrestling with one another, okay? And she goes to the Lord and she begins to inquire, why is this happening to me? And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. Now, these are twins, and the older one ends up being Esau. The younger one ends up being Jacob. So Esau came out first, and, and Jacob second. All right, now let's drop down into chapter 27 and start in verse 1. And it says this, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. He said, look, I am old and do not know the day of my death. Take your hunting gear and your quiver and your bow and go into the field, hunt some game for me. Then make me a delicious meal that I love and bring it to me to eat so that I can bless you before I die. Now, uh, back then, the father, before he would die, he would pronounce a blessing. It was really like a prophetic moment. It was, it it wasn't just like, hey, you're going to be a really good son and some cool stuff are going to happen. Uh, whatever this father pronounced on his son as you follow scripture happened, all right? It was a prophetic spiritual moment. And so he's telling his son Esau, hey, go hunt some stuff, make me a dinner, and then I'm going to make this, you know, I'm going to pronounce this blessing on your life and it's going to be powerful, okay? Verse five, now Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said to his son Esau. So while Esau went out to the field to hunt some game and bring, uh, bring it in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, that's the younger one, listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, bring me the game and make a delicious meal for me so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now obey every word I give you, my son. Go to the flock and bring me two choice goats and I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. Then, then, then take it to your father and so he can eat it, that he may bless you before he dies. And Jacob answered his mom and said, Mother, what are you doing? Look, my brother Esau is hairy man. <laughs> but I am a man of smooth skin. What, what he's saying there is, look, my brother's ugly. I'm good looking. It ain't gonna work, all right? <laughs> 
Suppose my father touches me, then he will uh, uh, it will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring me uh, bring curse rather than a blessing on my life. His mother said to him, "Your curse be to, uh, be on me, my son. Just obey me and go do what I'm telling you to do." Now, what in the world is this mom doing? I mean, I, I mean, could you imagine as a mom? How many moms? I have any moms out there right now? Okay, could you imagine as a mom saying, "Hey, I don't want that son to have the blessing. I want this son to have the blessing." Okay? I mean, how do you choose which one? Well, in this moment, Rebecca is probably remembering back to the word that the Lord gave her when those two kids were in her stomach saying, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. The younger is going to be over the older. The older one's going to serve the younger. So when she hears this, she remembers back to the promise or back to the word that God gave her. And now she begins to strategically manipulate and begin to try to bring some things about. Moms don't don't do that, okay? Uh, where are we at? Uh, verse 14, so he went and got the goats and brought them uh, to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the, uh, the best clothes of her older son Esau, uh, which were in the house, and uh, her younger son, put them on her younger son to wear them. So she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Okay, now time out. I know that Esau's hairy, but are you with me right now? Okay. Some of you thought, thought you have some, some manscaping problems. Are you with me? They put literally a sheep's skin. Are you, are you with me? Hair on his neck and on his hands. That is one hairy man. All right. The length that she went to, to manipulate, to manipulate this thing and bring it to pass. And when he came to his father, he said, my father, and he answered, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up, eat some of my game, uh, that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, because the Lord your God worked it out for me. Listen to his confession. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come closer so that I can touch your hair, my son. I, I added that part. Are you really my son Esau or not? And so Jacob came closer and his, uh, to his father Isaac, and when he touched him, uh, he said, the voice of Jacob, but the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Again, he asked, are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he said, serve me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I may bless you. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him. Drop down to verse 30. And so the blessing goes on, verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had left the presence of his father, his father Esau arrived from the hunt, or his son Esau arrived from the hunt. He also made some delicious food and brought it in to his father. Then he said to his father, uh, let my father get up and eat some of my son, uh, son's game so that you can bless me. But his father said to him, who are you? And he answered, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, I, uh, he said, who, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before uh, you came and blessed him. And he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father, he cried out with a loud, bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. But he replied, your brother came and deceitfully took your blessing. And he was just obeying his mom. Drop down, verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing of his father. 
had given him, and Esau determined in his heart the days of mourning for his father uh, are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she summoned her younger son Jacob and said to him, listen, your brother Esau is, uh, is consoling himself by planning to kill you. So now, my son, listen to me. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him for, uh, for a few days until your brother's anger subsides, until your brother's uh, rage turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send for you and bring you back from there. Why should I lose you both in this one day? And so he does this and he leaves. Now listen, what she began to manipulate, she had to continue manipulating in order for this thing to work out. The minute we begin to take God out of the picture and begin to try to do things ourselves, God will back off and he'll say, hey, go ahead, see how that works out for you. She does this, son leaves, and guess what? She never sees her son Jacob again. Read the last verse. So Rebecca said to Isaac, now she goes to her husband and says, I'm sick of my life because of these Hittite women. If Jacob marries a Hittite woman like one of them, what good is my life? And Jacob goes away, does not come back until her mother, his mother is dead. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. Lord, I pray that you would teach us in the next few moments out of this passage and out of the life of Rebecca and that we would learn something today and so we could grow in the grace that is on our life according to your son Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Trust. Trust. We see early on in scripture that, that, that Rebecca trusts God, that she actually goes and inquires of God. And before that, we see that actually her husband, she doesn't have a child, and her husband actually goes and inquires of God for her, begins to pray on her behalf, and God answers, and she gets children. She has children in her stomach now, and, and they're wrestling. She doesn't know what's going on. And so what does she do? She trusts God. She goes to God, and God begins to show her what is taking place. But as the story continues on, she no longer trusts God. Trust. Man, can I just tell you this, that, that when you trust God, life is really good. That when you trust God, man, blessings really do flow. Uh, when I was growing up, I used to play a game with, I have three older brothers, and I used to play a game with my brothers, and I don't know what the technical name of this game is, but I'm sure as I begin to describe it, you've probably played it as well. Um, but I was about five or six years old, all my brothers older than me, when mom and dad would go off to work, and it was summertime, we would play this game where we took a big spoon, and you could go into the kitchen, and uh, you got blindfolded, and you could put three edible ingredients on that spoon, any ingredients you chose, and then as you're blindfolded, they get to feed it to you, and you have to guess what the three ingredients are. Anybody ever played that game before? I guess not. Okay. All right. You should try it out. It's a lot of fun. All right. Mother's Day treat. There you go. And so we would play this game, and we had so much fun playing this game, and, and we would play it for hours because there were four of us, and we would just take turns. And uh, we, of course, we were always tempted to put something really nasty on it because the only criteria is that it, that it had to be edible. Um, but because we trusted one another, we never took it to an extreme, and therefore the game was a lot of fun, and it continued on, and, and we just, you know, guessed the ingredients. So I remember one particular summer, one of my cousins came for a week to stay with us, and he wanted to play, and he thought it would be really fun to just kind of kind of jack things up a little bit and put different ingredients on it and spoon feed it to us. And of course, he didn't share his plan with any of us. And so, of course, I, I got the, like, the third bite and he put like, like, like some good stuff, but then he put cayenne pepper. Anybody ever just swallowed some cayenne pepper before when you're six years old? All right? I am six years old. Let me tell you something, okay? I still remember it. I had to go to a counselor. I'm still trying to get over it. Are you with me? Okay? 
But what that one moment did, what that one incident did, is it began to break down my trust and now the game wasn't fun anymore because it didn't matter who was coming up to put the spoon in your mouth, you didn't trust anybody. And so what was fun, what was enjoyable, what was a game, man, that was fun, and we all of a sudden begin to change because our trust began to change. Can I tell you something? Man, life when you trust God is good. It doesn't matter what's coming your way. It doesn't matter what's on the spoon. It doesn't matter if you can see it or not. As long as you keep putting your trust in God, listen to me, tomorrow you don't know what it holds. The next week you don't know what's going to take place. You don't know what's coming in on that spoon. But one thing you can be assured of, it's going to be good because he's a good God. But the minute we begin to break trust with him, all of a sudden now we begin to take matters into our own hands. How do we do that? It's a thing called worry. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Hey, don't worry about tomorrow, but, but, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. It's okay. God does. Are you with me? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. Some of you right now have worries about tomorrow. Some of you have worries about next week. Some of you have worries about some things in your future. But listen to me, as long as you continue to put your trust in God, you don't have to worry at all. He's a good God. He is a good God. Are you with me this morning? And although Rebecca seemingly had it going on in every single area of her life, man, she was good looking. Man, she was married to a guy that was loaded. Why? Because Abraham, his father was loaded. Man, she is married. She's got kids, man. They've got wealth. They got it all going on, but yet she stops trusting God. And I believe there are so many of us here this morning that we fall into the same snare and the same trap, that we stop trusting in God. We stop putting him for, as a matter of fact, this happens throughout the whole entire Bible. We see moments where people stop trusting God. And what happens is they begin to take matters into their own hand. As we fast forward in Genesis, we come to a story of, of the children of Israel as they're leaving a place called Egypt. And as they're leaving a place called Egypt, a guy named Moses leads them out. So Moses is their leader, and they're following Moses, and they're going wherever, wherever Moses, because Moses is hearing from God. And they come to this particular place where Moses goes up on a mountain to talk with God. And the Bible says that Moses was delayed in coming down, or at least that was the perception of the children of Israel. And because he was delayed in coming down and they didn't know whether or not he was going to come down, you know what they do? They take matters into their own hands. And the Bible says they go to, to, a, to, to, Moses, to a Moses' brother Aaron, and they go to Aaron and say, hey, look, your brother, he ain't coming back, and we're worried. And so here's, here's what we need you to do. We need you to take, take some gold, melt it down, and make us a cool little calf, and we're going to follow that. Where does that sound brilliant? Are you with me? I mean, we're going we're gonna to make, listen to what they do. Listen, listen, we don't know what's going on with Moses, and we can't control what that guy does and what he doesn't do. He's hearing from God. We're following him. But you know what we want to do? We want to take matters into our own hands and we want a God that we can manipulate and a God that we can cart around and a God that we can push around and a God that, are you with me this morning? They stop trusting God. We actually, if we rewind from where we're at right now in this passage and we go back, we go to a story called uh, about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah are a couple and she's unable to have kids and, and she wants to have kids with her husband, Abraham. And God actually promised them a kid, and it ain't happening, and she's delayed in the process, and so she manipulates, and she literally goes to her servant and says, hey, you can go ahead and hook up with my husband. 
It's in the Bible. And then guess what happens? There's a son named Ishmael born. And God says, sorry, that, 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 ain't, that ain't the chosen child. That ain't the son of promise. Some stuff happens there, and all of a sudden now, Isaac, the child of promise, comes. When you trust God, man, good things happen. When you stop trusting God, man, things don't, don't go so well. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Uh, one, of, one of the great scriptures on trust, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let me read it to you. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, in everything you do, man, think on him and he will guide you on the right paths. Trust, trust, trust. Here's, here's the thing. We know we trust God. Here's a couple of ways we know we trust God. We know we trust God when we trust his process. When we trust his process. We've talked about this before, that, that our God is a God of process, but we're a people of the product. We want the product without the process. But throughout all of scripture, God loves the process. God loves the process. And his processes are good. Because his processes are never about getting us to an end result. His processes are about our heart. It's never about obtaining something. It's always about becoming someone. And so he's a God of process. The problem is, is the question, do we trust God? If we do, we trust his process. Rebecca, stop trusting the process. I know, I know God, you spoke here. And so, okay, but it's not happening here. Uh, matter of fact, my husband is about to give the blessing on the older. I better step in and help you out. Anybody ever felt like they needed to step in and help God out before? My hand's raised. Right? Why? Because we don't trust the process. The process that God sets up. We know we trust God, not only if we trust the process, but we know we trust God if we trust his timing. See, a lot of us will trust the process of God, and it's not so much the process he's taking us through that bothers us, it's the length of time he's taking us through the process that bothers us. Right? Because we have a time stamp on everything we do in life. If I'm not successful by this age, at this point, at this junction, then I'm probably not going to be successful at all. If I don't get married by the time I'm 30, come on, I've heard my friends make packs like this before. You remember back in high school, any friends making packs? Hey, listen, if we're not married, like, like, then you and I, we'll just get married. <laughs> so weird, right? Like there's a time stamp on it. Like we don't, we don't trust the timing of God. And so because we don't trust the timing of God, we think that God forgot about us and we need to step in and help him out. Rebecca stopped trusting God. And so she thinks she needs that. Wait a second. I remember a promise you gave me, God. My kids are older now. My husband, he's about to bless the older one, but that's not what you spoke to me. Well, just because this scenario is playing out doesn't mean things are outside of God's control and that you need to step in and try to figure it out. Good preaching, Pastor. We know we trust God if we trust the process and if we trust the timing. Now listen to me. We know we trust God if we trust his people. Oh, see, this is, this is the difficult one. Okay, I might trust the process. Okay, God, you got this thing handled. Okay, 
And you know what? It's taken a little longer than I really want it to. How many guys? That's always the case with God, isn't it? I've never once thought, man, God, you did that really quick. <laughs> I wish. You know, but usually it's like, wow, God, I thought you forgot about me. Thanks for coming through. Right? But one that we really struggle with is do we trust the people that God has put in our life? Parents. There's another P one. Pastors. Do we trust the people that God has strategically placed in our peers? I could preach right there because that's three P's right there. Do we trust those people? I mean, Re Rebecca thinks that she's the only one privy to the promise. And who knows, maybe she is. But she hears what's going down and she's like, oh, I need to run interference on Isaac on this thing. I can't let him pronounce a, a, you know, a blessing on, on Esau. I need to go to Jacob. She stopped trusting God and where we can tell is because she stopped trusting the process. She didn't believe in the timing and she wasn't trusting the people that were in her life. She didn't trust her husband, that he was gonna do the right thing, or didn't trust. Here, here's the reality. Every trust issue we have in our life, whether it's with people, whether it's with the process, whether it's something going on, we can all trace it back to whether or not we truly trust God. We can trace it back. Do I really trust God? Because if I trust God, and he's the one that called me to a place, he's the one that provided a job, he's the one that put these people in my life, if I trust God, then I trust that he's sovereign enough to oversee all of that and to strategically align it. Yeah. Amen. All of our trust issues, all of our trust issues. I, I know early on in our marriage, we've been married for about three years and, and uh, there, I, I noticed some trust issues going on, my wife to me, and so we actually had a breakthrough moment where we sat down and, and, and we began to trace this thing back and, and it, it, it kind of got to this place of some trust issues with her, her father. And we thought, man, we nailed it on the head. All right, we got to solve, let's go to a counselor. Let's do whatever we need to do. There's some daddy trust issues and therefore you're not trusting me. And, and so let's get this all thing. And as we continued to pray, my wife with tears in her eyes had a breakthrough moment. She said, Ben, it has nothing to do with that. She said, it has to do with the fact that I'm not trusting God. And if I trust my heavenly father, then I can trust you. And it was this break, why? Because all of our trust issues come back. Do I really trust, do I really trust God. Here's the problem. Rebecca, she, she hears what her husband is about to do, and as she hears what her husband is about to do, she no doubtedly remembers the promise. And now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with remembering the promises of God. And so it's good to remember the promises of God. But what she does now is rather than putting her trust in the promise maker, she puts her trust in the promise itself. She takes her eyes off of the one who spoke to her the promise and puts her eyes on the promise and says, wait a second, there's a problem here. This is not the way it's supposed to work out. This is not what's supposed to, I remember the promise. And now she's so trusting the promise that she takes her eyes off of the promise maker and in this setting, she doesn't go and inquire of the Lord. In every other verse we read, she actually stops and she goes and she inquires of the Lord. 
She's trusting more in the promise than she is in the promise maker. She stops inquiring. What's that word inquire? It means to investigate, to ask questions, to go, to speak to. She doesn't go to God and she doesn't inquire. And so because of that, she manipulates and tries to take things into her own hands. How, how many times do we do this? How many times do we hold on to a promise? And we stop going to the promise maker. I think one is a huge example is marriage, at least in the Christian world, marriage, because marriage isn't a legal binding thing, it's a spiritual binding thing. And in marriage, man, at least all the weddings I do, man, we have, we have verses, we pray over the couple, we ask God's presence to come in, and man, they're looking at each other with love in their eyes. How many of you guys remember that moment? Come on, hopefully, hopefully it was this morning for you, if you're married. Every morning, pastor. Okay. But that wedding day, right? You don't remember a thing the pastor says unless you go back and watch the video. You don't remember the prayers. All you know is you are marrying the love of your life, right? And then problems arise. And if you haven't been married that long yet, trust me, problems will arise. Why? Because there's two humans involved in it. Come on, somebody. Right? And all of a sudden now they're remembering, well, you promised, and you said, and we gave vows, and those are so awesome and so binding, but what if we went back to the promise maker himself? And we said, no, God is the one that holds this thing to together. Amen? Too often times we take our eyes off the promise maker and we... We, we put our eyes on the promise itself. We put our eyes on the promise itself, and here's what happens is we begin to manipulate. We begin to look at moments and begin to think, this is where I need to step in and help God out. Like Rebecca. Oh, this is the moment. The blessing is coming, the promise is coming. <sighs> but it's going to Esau, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Anybody ever have something happen in the life, not work out the way you thought it was going to work out, or you know should have worked out. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that she didn't stop in that moment and go back to the Lord and say, God, do you remember your promise? Do you remember what you spoke? What do I need to do now? And who knows what would have happened at that moment? Who knows how the story could have changed but yet oftentimes we see these opportunities and, and we begin to believe that, okay, this is where I need to step in. Never, never are God's promises to you a, 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 a free pass for you to begin to manipulate your way and make them work out. God's promises to you are just that, to give you faith and to hold on to him. And then when all of a sudden things are, wait, 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 wait a second, God. This isn't working out quite like I thought it was going to. Go back and inquire of the Lord and keep trusting in him. When she trusted in God, things worked out. Children, when she trusted in God, God answered, God spoke. When she stopped trusting in God, she was left to herself to begin to manipulate the circumstance, the situation, and try to get it to work out on her own. When we stop inquiring of God, like she did. Here's in essence what we were saying. God, I've got this one handled. I don't need you. 
Now, now we would never, ever probably say those words. I mean, when's the last time you prayed that prayer in the morning? You get up, you're getting ready for the day, you kneel down at your bed, teeth are brushed, you're about ready to head out the door, and you're like, God, today, I got this. It's going to be an awesome day. God, just take some R&R today in my life. Maybe help somebody else that needs it more, like Jeff. And you, you can just take a break from me, God. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Never. See, we wouldn't vocalize it like that. But in essence, when we stop inquiring of God, that's exactly what we're saying. When we stop going to God with stuff in our life, here's what we're saying. All of these things that are in my hands, God, I got it. And then we wonder why. We wonder why we're worn out. We wonder why we're tired. We wonder why we're worried about tomorrow. We wonder why we're frustrated with people. If we feel worn out, maybe we just need to pause for a moment and say, wait a second. You know what? I haven't, I haven't inquired of God in a while. I haven't prayed in a while. You know, you know what's kind of tragic? Is most of us pray more for our food than we do for our life. I pray three times a day, Pastor. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And God's doing something because none of it killed me yet. Right? But when's the last time you prayed for your life? When's the last time you inquired of God? We stop putting our trust in God. We're taking things out of God's hands, putting them in our hands, and wondering why we feel the way we feel. Wondering why we're worried about tomorrow. And in this story, we see that Rebecca man, had it going on in so many areas of her life. Even, even when it came to having children, she couldn't have children. And they inquired of God. God does a miracle, shows up, gives her children. Children are wrestling and fighting in her stomach like boys. Thank God I had girls. And she goes and inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, this is what's going to happen. Hey, man, life's good. Children are being raised. Things look so awesome. And all of a sudden, she remembers a promise and takes her eyes off the promise. Keeper stops going to the one where all resource flows from. She stops putting her trust there. And because of that, not only does she have to continue to manipulate the situation and get her son out of there, but because of that, she never sees her son ever again. When we trust God, things are good. Man, things keep flowing. When we take our trust away from God, man, problems begin to set in. Let me ask you a question as we close right now. Do you trust him? Do you trust God this morning? Do you trust him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he really will direct your steps. Do you trust him? Is there an area in your life this morning that you don't trust him? Is there an area in your life where you feel like, man, I'm just trying to do and I'm manipulating my way through it? What would happen if we paused, if we stopped, and we went back to the Lord and said, God, 
I don't know what's going on with my health, but I'm putting my trust in you. God, I don't know what's going on in this relationship, but I'm putting my trust in you. God, I don't know what's going on with my finances right now, but I'm putting my trust in you. God, I've been applying for jobs and I ain't found a job yet, but I'm trusting in you. Lord, I don't know what's going on with this marriage right now, but I'm gonna continue to trust in you. Lord, I don't know what's gonna take place tomorrow, but I'm trusting in you. When we trust in the Lord with all our heart, man, God has preeminence in every situation and in every circumstance you and I will face. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.